Welcome to another episode of Wicked Hot, everybody. This is John. And Kevin. And this week, we did not post our usual Instagram post for you to guess on this week's episode. So instead, I'm just going to let you know what it is. This week, guys, uh, in honor of the beginning of October and, of course, the spookiest month in all the year, we will be going over the origins of horror in cinema. Mainly, we're going to be hitting the subgenres. Yes, we'll be we'll be covering subgenres, and um, of course, for anyone that is not familiar with the format, um, this week we will be going over three different subgenres, as well as a little bit of a movie analysis at the end, and we'll we'll save that for for later. But um, yeah, guys, strap in, um, get your popcorn, and get ready to listen to another week of movie mayhem with Wicked Hot. Wicked smart, wicked cool, wicked fucking stupid, whatever the fuck. Something wicked. I'm baking like a toasted teaser. It's so hot here. My boy's wicked smart. Cause the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot. 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 Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? I'm sure this can be the case for any film genre, but for the most part. The creation of the horror genre didn't lag far behind the invention of cinema. Uh, so the genre of horror itself spurs from gothic stories written by late 19th century writers, such as Edgar Allan Poe and Bram Stoker. The first horror movie that came to the screen, however, was The House of the Devil in 1896. Um, it's also known as The Haunted Castle, which was what it was called in its U.S. release. And uh, you have pro- to say you have to <laughs> say the French version of it because I know it's a French movie. <laughs> That's right. House of the Devil is a French movie, 1896, which is crazy. I didn't. You would think that the horror movie wouldn't be that far away. Yeah, it's funny that as soon as movies start, people are already trying to make you fucking squirm. What do you think the first like genre would have been for a movie? Um. <laughs> I know, I know, it wasn't like like train moving. That's not a genre. Yeah, I'm just saying. If I'm you thinking were like ha- landscape, like that's the genre <laughs> from from the 1890s. So I guess documentary, right? Would that yeah, I guess it would be a documentary. Yeah, yeah. documentary followed by horror because clearly 1896. I mean, film has just yeah. been invented. It's like, oh, here's um, this here's this train moving, and everyone's like, oh my god. And then the next movie's like a fucking <laughs> here's this de- train devil. of corpses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that escalated quickly. Well, now that we got this bullshit out of the way, let's get into some real fucked up shit. Um, but yeah, not to steal your thunder, because um, I'm sure in your upcoming subgenre, you're probably going to cover this exact same movie. I will. But I won't I won't say why. Actually, fuck it. I'm going to spoil it anyway. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so the movie can actually be also considered the first vampire movie, uh, because it has a man turning into a bat, like a Batman or a man bat. Man bat. If you will. <laughs> A little nod to last week's episode for everyone who's listening. Uh, so that so that particular movie was directed by George Melier. And for people who don't know who George Melier is, I'm sure you're not uh, too keen on early 1900s film directors. Yeah. But uh, he directed the movie A Trip to the Moon in 1902. And it's the movie. It's very famous. It has the moon with the face, black and white. And a rocket crashes right into its eye. Yeah, it's like the um, movie that Hugo is like, isn't it Hugo? Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, ben Kingsley plays George. Yes, Melier. Yes. So yeah. it's a very, compl- very famous director. Yes, 
Yeah, kind of like one of the first directors to really, because he was also known as kind of an illusionist. Yeah. Um, I, I guess um, he's he's considered maybe one of the very first directors, like somebody that did that for a living. Oh yeah, one hundred percent, and and a visionary as well. Right. I mean, we discussed earlier how most films coming, and and we've discussed this in other episodes. The first films were essentially just landscape or basically testing the actual camera. Yeah. Um, or like trying to capture a horse running or something <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Where George Melier is basically like, fuck it, we're going to go to the moon and we're going to have space things and vampires and other creatures. So bringing creativity and art into film rather than just for documenting purposes right so just from looking at still images i'm not sure if even back then the house of the devil was considered scary because it looks ridiculous honestly (laughs) yeah Uh, the traits that give it the title as first horror movie is mostly the subject matter of the occult and other supernatural beings keep in mind though that the house of the devil was only about three minutes long so the first full-length picture and by that i mean 15 minutes came in 1910 and was produced by none other than film mogul Thomas Edison. Oh, my and God. I, <laughs> A.K.A. John Taffer. Yes. <laughs> I think we need to feature Thomas Edison more on the show, and he is 100% a movie mogul. Yeah, he's like the godfather, and a lot of people don't know this, but if you go back to our cinema history, uh, Thomas Edison is involved in every fucking aspect of the beginning filmmaking. of filmmaking. <laughs> Like, if, if you thought he was, like, uh, the electric inventor, like, he's way more involved in the film industry. It's honestly, I feel like just pinning him as, oh, the guy who invented or brought electricity and, and the, wait, it wasn't it the... The light bulb. The light bulb. Yeah, the light bulb. Um, this motherfucker, it was, like, involved with every invention. I'm convinced he may have invented everything. Yeah. Surprising to me, though, even when movies were first starting to come out, they still did not have original ideas and were adapted from fucking books, which is insane to me. Yeah. Um, in this case, in, in 1910, uh, was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And not the famous Universal one with Boris Karloff. This is, it came in in 1910. The Frankenstein monster looked honestly like an old lady. It was very weird looking. <laughs> if you look at st- like still images, it's, it's, it's just strange. So at this point, this is when horror movies were continuously adapted from horror literature, such as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and The Werewolves, which was a short story in 19... I'm sorry. The movie was in 1913. The short story uh, was from 1898. To which, interestingly enough, the first werewolf movie is titled The Werewolf. Super creative. Very original. (laughs) This brings us to... And I'm going to push forward a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. Uh, to the 1930s, also known as the Golden Age of Horror, when Universal released what are known now as the classic horror creatures, such as Dracula, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, and talking remakes such as Frankenstein. And this is the Boris Karloff one for everyone that's paying attention. Leading into my first subgenre, which is werewolf movies, if you hadn't guessed. Although the first werewolf movie was the werewolf the film that brought the character slash creature into true horror canon is the wolfman in 1941 what's crazy about this is that coincidentally germany is clearly at war with the world at this point 1941 
Hitler himself strongly identified with the iconography of wolves. For instance, Adolf, the actual name, means noble wolf in German, and even his lair in East Prussia, which is, uh, for people that don't know what that is, if you've seen the movie Valkyrie, that's the site of the Valkyrie assassination attempt where they put the bomb in his headquarters. It's called yeah. the Wolfschanz, which is known as the Wolf's Lair. Man, he so really seems... took the Adolf thing and ran with it. <laughs> he really it's did. Like Adolf Wolfs? Okay, well, I'm going to base my whole life off wolves. Fuck it. We're getting wolves everything. Lone wolf, wolf core. Yeah, wolf pack, everything. <laughs> Alpha wolf. But yeah, it's interesting because if you think about a lot of Jews at the time, there was a lot of visionary filmmaking in Germany pre-Nazi occupation. So obviously once the Nazis took over, a lot of those Jewish filmmakers moved over to Hollywood. And now it makes sense how you could kind of see the parallels of whoever is involved with filmmaking is thinking, hey, we should have a, a creature, a villain that is based on this thing that we fled, which is, it's crazy that that's, Nazis are basically involved with everything and we get the Wolfman from that. Damn, so Hitler was the inspiration for werewolves. Basically, yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm sure like lichens and I guess the study of werewolves is like lycanthropy was around. Of course it is. <laughs> but but uh but for for it to be an actual like creature in like movies, I think they they saw the similarities in it and they're like, "Hey, let's be a little tongue in cheek and and make a Hitler a werewolf and and that's our our movie villain." Nice. Hitler's always an easy target. <laughs> he really is. The Wolfman was the first time a werewolf monster film featured thematic elements that are synonymous with the subgenre today. So if you think about it, sil Silver Bullets, Aversion to Silver, Full Moon, Gypsy Legends, Ties to Witchcraft, and Eating Human Flesh. In the 50s, uh, the movie I Was a Teenage Werewolf came out and gave nods and similarities more to the growing pains of being a teenager and the changes your body goes through. And it also, it's interesting because it also showed what happens to someone who is a rebellious teen who disobeys the law. It's a leitmotif of how a werewolf is a troubled youth who is eventually put down by the cops. And this seems to be a recurring theme that happens during the 50s with you know, teenagers lashing out. And, and I mean, if you think about a rebel without a cause with James Dean, yeah, came out in the 50s. It's kind of got the same premise. He's kind of a bad boy kid. And uh, he gets other kids into trouble until one of them gets killed in the end. Spoilers <laughs> for a 1950s movie. But um, yeah, so the the uh, werewolf movies of, of being a teenager kind of paralleled a rebel without a cause in a sense. By the 60s and 70s, the werewolf movies kind of went by the wayside, which is insane considering how huge the the Wolfman was in 1941. And this may be one of the first times in history where... Hollywood hasn't beaten a franchise or an idea half to death. There's like, okay, we have two movies. 1941's Wolfman will come out with the teenage one. Okay, people aren't really getting this. Um, I guess we'll just stop. That's like that's unheard of. Because nowadays it's like, you don't get it. Here's more. Take more of it. <laughs> you don't like Fast and Furious? Here's nine of them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I guess um, they they still make money, right? So yeah, that's true. 
Like, what's a franchise that that doesn't make was, money or is and shit? That was terrible? Pirates of the Caribbean. But they still made like five. They make now. money, but they're fucking trash. <laughs> I I think they could make a good werewolf movie nowadays. I agree. Well, with a caveat, because they remade Wolfman with Benicio del Toro. Do you remember this? I do. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> I I think they can. I just I just don't think they uh, they have the capacity to do it right now. They don't have as the far capacity. As creatively, yeah, they don't. They, have, they can do it. They can produce it. It's just whether or not it'll be good. They don't have the ability to come up with something new. So they're like, out of the three werewolf movies there are, they're like, pick one and we'll remake it. And, and that didn't work for Hollywood right. in the in the fifties. So why would you think it worked now? Come up right. with your new shit. Like maybe you can revive the werewolf uh, subgenre, which is crazy because if you think about it. Um, we didn't see werewolves featured prominently until 1981. Big year for werewolves. Is that Teen Wolf? No. We had The Howling and American Werewolf in London. Both of those came out at the same time. Okay. I've never seen The Howling, but I'm a big fan of An American Werewolf in London. Minus the ending. I'm not a big fan of it. But um, it, it's funny that you say it. They, it brought something new to the table. You know, something that hadn't been right. seen before. It wasn't just a generic monster movie. It had substance and it had humor like american werewolf in london had humor and honestly the howling kind of had a bit of humor as well in it also in american werewolf in london we actually get to see an amazing transformation scene with effects provided by the legendary rick baker and if you don't know who rick baker is he's done effects for star wars uh the howling men in black planet of the apes batman forever and even the thriller music video have you have you do you know what scene I'm talking about the transformation? Yes. It's been a very long time since I've seen that movie, but yeah, I do remember it pretty well. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. I mean, the way his whole face fo- changes and forms, it's crazy that nowadays it would just be all CGI and no prosthetics or anything like that. Yeah. But um it's funny that you mentioned Teen Wolf because the popularity of the werewolf genre during the 80s transferred to a pseudo remake of I Was a Teenage Werewolf and T-Wolf with Michael J. Fox. Obviously, this is a more comedic take and not horror at all. Isn't that but the movie he, where somebody whips their dick out at the end? I have no idea. I don't yeah, remember that. Somebody had just... A werewolf dick? <laughs> <laughs> no, an extra... In the crowd, at the end, at the basketball game, at the end, one of the crowd members... Stands up and he's like off in the very far distance. Whips his so fucking dick out. Oh, you can see it. It's large. It's what? <laughs> <laughs> I asked if it was large in terms of penis size. Yeah, if you could, because you were like, no, you can definitely see it. Well, I mean, it's it. It's easy to not notice, and then once you notice it, you're like, oh, there's a there's a dick in that scene. If I'm going to be honest, I'm going to go in incognito mode right quick because I just teen wolf dick. I don't know what's going to come up. <laughs> Probably some bestiality stuff. So after a lot of research, guys, we have determined that the penis was not out and it was all a lie. Yeah, it was a hoax. It was a dick hoax. Yeah. But with teen wolf, uh, obviously, this is more of a comedic tale and not horror at all. The usage of horror still helped translate the motif of turning into a werewolf to that of growing up as a teenage boy. And 
I mean, at this point in the modern time, werewolf genre on its own continues to fade into obscurity again, unless it accompanies other lore. Specifically, I'm thinking of Underworld, it was around for a while. True Blood, it was around for a while. Twilight, because Twilight. And now, I mean, let's be honest, all three of those basically faded into obscurity at this point. I'm sure we'll see a remake or resurgence at some point or another, but unless there's something fresh like how American Werewolf in London and Howling brought into the werewolf genre, just coming up with a generic monster movie about a werewolf, I don't think is going to cut it nowadays. No, I don't think so. It's going to have to be like Underworld kind of does it, uh, but they're obviously the movies aren't very good and Twilight kind of ruined the whole the whole thing by making it just a fucking joke. Yeah, totally. So Team they, Jacob, you mean? Team Jacob. <laughs> I know you knew who it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do know who it was. Uh my first one is gonna be supernatural horror movies, and I'm gonna go specifically with like ghost uh demon stuff. So supernatural Are we gonna get to, into, into I'm some sub, demon sub, general genre. stuff. <laughs> getting a sub sub genre in there. Um so supernatural talk. <laughs> supernatural films. I'm going to I'm going to call them supernatural films even though I'm specifically or mainly talking about ghost and and demon stuff. I think um, that covers most supernatural things though. It does, but there's also like angels are also supernatural like um what are horror movies with angels in them? Um not specifically horror movies, but the that genre of supernatural like supernatural. Okay. The term enough. implies like anything otherworldly. Right. Good or good okay. or bad. Supernatural films are like ghosts, demons, uh, devil. A lot of times they have like a connotation of religion, um, but not all the time. Um, right. The common themes in this genre are like afterlife, demonic possession, and you see a lot of that in like the the middle, like the sixties, seventies, eighties. Yeah. Um, which is kind of weird because like it comes out of nowhere and you already have like 20 or 30 years of horror movies before ghosts are actually represented as something that can hurt you or is, is scary. So up until this point, go ahead. that's crazy because I know I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I, I know that a big thing and that's kind of what made these type of horror movies popular. And when we were talking about, just the origin of horror movies in general, a a big attraction back in the 1890s were pictures where it looked like there was a silhouette or a faded figure behind you. Yeah. In, in other words, it was kind of the beginning of the photo booth of, oh, look, there's a silly, scary monster behind me or, or a ghost or yeah. the orbs, you know, the, the fucking orbs that if you go to like any, you know, notoriously haunted place it's like oh look at all these pictures of all these people taking pictures and there's all the fucking orbs in the background so that's crazy to me that it took that long for them to be like actually you know what maybe they want to see this in a movie yeah it's funny you mentioned that because i'm actually going to the most haunted place in america the jerome uh oh yeah haunted hotel and oh yeah for halloween on halloween yes and you're gonna stay there and sleep in it yes Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. 
Yeah, I don't fuck with haunted hotels because you know those are the most haunted fucking places ever. Haunted hotels and haunted, well, if the haunt, most haunted place ever is like a haunted insane asylum. It, oh, it goes like insane asylum, even a regular asylum that's not haunted. Oh I'm yeah, I'm not fucking around with that. <laughs> it's, shit. it's so creepy. <laughs> Anything abandoned is creepy. So with ghosts, uh, most of their on-screen time was not scary at all. It was it was meant to be like a guiding force to somebody, uh, like you know, trying to figure something out. Like think of uh, uh, a Christmas Carol. The 1938 right. movie, like the ghost, help him kind of figure out the the meaning of Christmas and all that bullshit. So <laughs> ghosts, <laughs> ghosts were never meant to be like this uh, scary thing, and it was it wasn't until and this kind of blew my dick off about how long it took to come up with a horror movie involving ghosts. Actually, a feature length movie was uh, the Uninvited, which was a 1944 movie. 44, holy yeah. shit! Yeah, very very long. Uh, tell me if this synopsis sounds a little familiar. So it's a music critic and his sister. They purchase a spooky house and vengeful spirits and eerie occurrences like the smell of mimosas, uh, chilled rooms, <laughs> flickering candles, uh, opening and closing doors. Uh, that It all happens to them when they move into this house. Paranormal activity. Basically, every modern horror movie is based off of this story. Dude, don't sleep on the 40s and 50s because there were a lot of fucking movies that people just forgot about and visionary directors came, and I'm doing air quotes right now, came up with and penned it as their own and they're like, they're fucking it. The most genius people ever. I guarantee you in fucking 70 or 80 years, maybe not because of the technology, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to be like, oh my God, The Godfather is this visionary thing. And it was just, you know, it's from yeah. 1970s. Yeah. And it, and it kind of sucks because um, the genre was very, very short-lived in, in its inception. So um, it, it was really big around the 20s and 30s, but it didn't start to get like ghost demons until like the 40s. And then... By the fifties, the genre had completely died off. They weren't making wow. They weren't making supernatural horror movies. They they were completely replaced by uh like modern psychological or science fiction horror movies. So you know, like yeah. the space stuff. Everybody was yeah. obsessed with space back then. Obviously for good reason, fifties and sixties. Yeah, so so um supernatural horror movies kind of took a back seat. So supernatural horror movies, uh, they were kind of scattered in with the 60s, 70s, and 80s with like um, The Demon, Omen, um, The Exorcist. So you got you do kind of get some of those, but the resurgence of the supernatural or the paranormal horror genre didn't really come back until like the late 90s okay. with like The Grudge, The Ring, like that type of stuff brought back. Like it the took ghost. that long. Yeah, it took a very long time for people to get back into paranormal horror movies. That's crazy because I feel like that's all movies now. Yeah, and it, and after I would say after like 2008, especially with the Netflix, the digital Netflix age, like you can make a horror movie and get it on Netflix for like 50 grand. And people do yeah. that. Like there are some shitty movies on Netflix, horror movies. Oh, like yeah. Like paranormal. And then now you have Shudder too. Yeah, exactly. So... The 
people are pumping out these paranormal horror movies and it it sucks because i love the genre so much and it's like it goes from you know the 40s where they're making like good constant movies and it's just like 2018 and they're just fucking throwing out these these paranormal movies and it's hard to sift through like what's good and what's terrible right it's like the netflix of of cinema history yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you're like fuck another one of these god damn yeah and i'm always searching on netflix and i'm like oh shit and i imdb and rotten tomatoes can go fuck themselves because they have ruined movies for me do they how they ruin it because like i'll find a movie on netflix and i'll be like okay this looks like it might be something the synopsis is good the trailer is good look <laughs> it up on rotten tomatoes it's like a 26 like fuck yeah that's now true. i can't watch this when it's, yeah. when it used to be like oh what's this movie i'm just gonna watch it and find out i'm just go yeah do you, i i remember i never used to look at things probably why i saw so many bad movies and maybe why imagine if one of the like horrible movies you've never seen before and or like i'm sorry one of the most horrible movies you know but you love imagine if you saw it on Rotten tomatoes you probably would never seen it you would never known yeah exactly that's why i think rotten tomatoes and i think uh i can't remember who it was uh, it was a big name actors was saying that rotten tomatoes specifically like ruined filmmaking i think it might have been martin scorsese he says a lot of things He's, he does say a lot of things <laughs> he talks a lot talks he very does. fast kevin i'm gonna bring you back again we're going back to the 1930s specifically 1932 when zombonies aka zombies are first featured on screen in the film white zombie <laughs> I completely forgot that we used to say Zamboni all the time. We used to say it all the time. It's from f fucking Seven Days to Die because of that. Oh, that's why. I kept yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Seven Days to Die. Yeah, we started saying Zambonis. <laughs> and it just turned into a thing, and that's what we say now. And that's how we call zombies. So apologies <laughs> for everyone who wasn't playing Dead by... Or I'm sorry, Seven Days to Die with us. Um, but yeah, White Zombie, starring Bella Lugosi, who everyone knows as Dracula. Though... The portrayal of zombies in this film weren't that of flesh-eating monsters, but more like brainwashed people. Bela Lugosi, and just to set up how the movie is, plays an evil voodoo priest who lures people into his plantation and makes them his slaves, which sounds really fucked up. Who, uh, who made this movie? Was it the same guy that did Birth of a Nation? <laughs> no, it, wasn't. it was not the same guy. Um. The, yeah, these people are in a trance. They don't transform into anything ghoulish. Just normal brainwashed people. I guess at the time in the 30s, a zombie just meant, you know, someone that was just going through the motions, getting through, slugging, slugging along. The best way to make a parallel to something more recent, um, for people that are just kind of still not understanding what I'm talking about, is how in 1999's the Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser. Jesus. <laughs> the antagonist Imhotep makes people brainwashed servants, but they don't eat people, and for the most part, they look pretty normal. Okay. So the next, I'm thinking yeah, so like I'm thinking like the happening when people get infected by the air. Oh yeah, and they just like yeah, just kind of start walking around. Yeah, but I feel like in the happening, they're like out to like kill themselves. These guys are just kind of. Just kind of like, hey, out. I need to, I need to get, I need to have some yard work done. So, <laughs> be a zombie, hulululu. Just like, all right, well, I gotta go rake these leaves now. You know, right? 
It seems very innocent, unless they were going to be all his sex slaves, which evil voodoo priest in a plantation. Well, it's weird that you go specifically to like doing yard work because I'm thinking like this guy's on a plantation and obviously he has owned slaves or does own slaves. (laughs) So he's like his this is like his dream world where like they just continue to be slaves and just like are (laughs) zombified. He's like, you know what? Fuck your Emancipation Proclamation. I have voodoo magic. (laughs) So the next pseudo-zombie, I'm going to say pseudo because they're not actually what the zombies we know today, um, during the 30s, pretty much followed suit and at times beat for beat the trope of Haitian voodoo or some sort of exotic sorcery. But none of the films within the 30s mentioned people coming back from the grave and craving human flesh. It was either brainwashed human beings or necromancy where a sorcerer could summon ghouls to do his or her bidding. That is some fucking Skyrim level shit right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your fucking uh, conjuration is on point. Yeah, 100 conjuration right there. (laughs) But yeah, so they can raise ghouls, do their bidding, but they're still under um, his or her control and they're not wild and loose like the zombies of today's horror films. Jumping into the 40s and 50s now, we have the first rendition of Nazi zombies. You heard it here, folks. Nazi zombies is not something that Call of Duty came up with. In fact, the concept was first introduced in the 1941 film King of the Zombies. Fuck, what was that Nazi zombie movie that they did recently? Dead Snow. Is that it? Yeah. They made a sequel to it, too. Dead Snow 2. Red versus dead. Yes, that is yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought of. And I, and when that was coming out, I was like, oh my God, that's so original. Yeah. Now I know it's nope. all a fucking sham. Yep. It's from 1941. Again, another. I just, I find it interesting that this is the second time Nazis somehow find their way into the background of fucking horror characters. Yeah. There's like werewolves, Nazis, zombies. Fuck it. They're Nazis too. Yeah. It's like back then they're like anything bad it could be considered a Nazi. So they're like, fuck it, uh, you flatten your tire like that's a Nazi act. It's like Do it. <laughs> it, it was like the uh, it was like uh, like nowadays they say like thanks Obama. And now it's like thanks, thanks Nazis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like back in the forties it was like fucking Hitler did it. Yeah. Speaking of a Nazi zombie movie, actually, I wanted to talk. I wanted to mention this. There is a new movie called Overlord. It looks super awesome, and it's produced by J.J. Abrams. Okay. And and not executive producer. So you know he's on set all the time. He's actually okay. producer, producer. And back me up on that. Is that is that correct? Executive is like... Executive kind of is like the suit. High level. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're too busy doing high level shit to be on set. Yeah. So J.J. Abrams is producing. Uh, it's a Nazi zombie movie, and it looks pretty cool. But yeah, Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2, I'm also a big fan of. They're fucking hilarious. Okay, damn! I'm sad that it was a. That it's like basically a remake or a stolen idea. Yeah, I know it does suck, and it's funny because despite featuring a new type of zombie, the Nazi zombie, King of the Zombies, still featured the decade-old trope of using voodoo to either brainwash or quote-unquote raise a zombie army. Boo. They even had. I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. No, the voodoo shit is, is bullshit. Yeah. And even the sequel slash remake, Revenge of the Zombies, in 1943, sort of strays away from the typical tropes. 
and instead uses a mad scientist who wants to create a new race of zombies for Nazi Germany. I can get down with that. The voodoo yeah. thing, I... No, no. <laughs> I believe in a lot of things. Voodoo is not one of them. Yeah. Unless you go to New Orleans. Then you start kind of believing, like, oh, shit, this is some fucked up shit right now. That's true. I've, I mean, I've only ever been, been <laughs> to very <laughs> suburban places. Yeah. What follows in the rest of the 40s and 50s is more of the same voodoo tropes. So much so that the next two prominent movies are literally called Voodoo Man and Voodoo Island. <laughs> that sounds like a say by the bell goes to Hawaii type thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned it because I always think of Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Did you ever watch that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so the true birth of zombies, as everyone knows it, comes with George A. Romero. He's arguably the father of zombies. Honestly, it's not even arguably. arguably. He is the father of zombies. In his movie, Night of the Living Dead, in 1968. Funny enough, Romero was inspired by I Am Legend, which was a book in 1957, turned Italian movie Omega Man, starring Charlton Heston. Yes, that's right. I Am Legend, the movie with Will Smith, is a remake of a 1957 Italian movie, which is a rendition of a book. And honestly... George A. Romero basically says like he kind of, in a sense, ripped off I Am Legend, the whole premise of it, and which is weird. But I mean, I know I know I'm Legend. I think is vampires. Back me up on that. Uh, that's what I was just thinking. Like it could be vampires, it could be werewolves, it could be a lot of things. Right. It's also crazy to me that the Italians were only were the only ones on this whole modern zombie horror kick. I found that a lot in, in my research. A lot of this yes. stuff stems from, like, Europe. Yeah. yeah. Americans uh, have no originality back then. No, they did not. And there are no holds barred uh, when it came to the gore and absolute reimagining um, that the 30s, 40s, and 50s just couldn't get when it came to zombies. Romero introduced the idea of zombies just existing because of an unknown virus or a, a virus from space. Right. At, as well as the flesh-eating portion, cannibalistic monster qualities into the zombie mythos. So no more voodoo. The voodoo's over. Yeah, I like that. I like the um, infection or whatever. I think they handled it, and even though Contagion isn't a zombie movie, I, I feel like that's how a zombie apocalypse would happen. Have you seen yeah. Contagion? Yeah, it's a good it, movie. It's a good movie about how like a virus starts. And it's like that's kind of the origin story to um It has zombie, it has movies zombie that film I, elements. Yeah, for sure. definitely. Definitely. It it's like a prequel to uh zombie movies. To, yeah. All started from batshit. Yeah. You remember the end of the film? Yeah. The bur the bat poops in China and the pig eats the poop and they bring it to the fancy restaurant and Gwyneth Paltrow eats it. Yep. But back to The Living Dead. This is also co coincidentally the first time I could find that becoming a zombie was an effect of being bitten by one. Which makes sense considering this is the first time they're actually trying to eat you. And not only did Romero remaster the zombie horror genre, but he in a sense 
created the idea of a zombie apocalypse, as well as the violent and gory deaths people succumb to by zombies. There, there's a scene in the movie I'm specifically thinking where zombies are just tearing apart a person, uh, but it looks like a turkey. <laughs> it's it legitimately a turkey. And I remember I had a film class in high school, and my teacher always pointed out that the zombies were eating a legit turkey. That was like a known behind the scenes thing. I I don't know how valid that is because I couldn't. I, I actually went out of my way to find out if that was true. Can't find it. I don't know if it's actually a turkey dinner that they were eating. In the 10-year span from Night of the Living Dead to Dawn of the Dead in 1978, almost every zombie horror film now featured actual undead, rotting corpses with plenty of gore and violence to accompany it. And again, most Italian films were already doing that, but slowly American-made zombie films were following suit. Romero went on to continue revolutionizing the zombie genre and creating the living dead trilogy, which we know as Dawn of the dead and day of the dead. He also made land of the dead, which was not good. And diary of the dead, which is pretty good. Is a different like genre remix? It's, you know, it's got documentary type found footage style film. I actually really like diary of the dead. I've seen it a couple times. So I'm, I'm a fan. I don't know if you've seen diary of the dead. I haven't seen diary of the dead. I've seen, I've seen the two of them. I've seen the two. So it's cool because Diary of the Dead is kind of, in a sense, it kind of takes place as if Night of the Living Dead was in modern time because it's a bunch of film students from University of Pittsburgh that go out in the middle of the woods and then they just kind of get caught up in the whole zombie apocalypse thing. And it's, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of it. It's, it's good. You should, you, should definitely, you should definitely check it out. I think you, I think you dig it. Okay. Um, and this, this kind of leads us into the zombies we know today, which are the running kind, which were first to appear, and I did not know this, in 28 days later in 2002. That was the first time we had running zombies. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. It, the concept of running zombies came to the writer Alex Garland, um, who's you know the writer of the film, and he pitched the idea to Danny Boyle and Andrew McDonald, which are the director and producer of the movie, after they had already adapted one of his novels previously. So he was just like, hey, I came up with this idea of running zombies. Maybe we should make this movie. And it's now running zombies are... off of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, I have an idea for a zombie that runs. All right, yeah, we can make a movie off that. And boom, 28 Days Later, <laughs> which I think is awesome. I think it's so good. I've actually never seen it. What? I haven't seen the sequel either, which makes sense. Yeah, that is... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You... <laughs> So we talked about, uh, at the beginning of the episode, we talked about the movie The House of the Devil, which was considered the very first horror movie ever made. The French film, The House of the Devil. Le House de le Devil. <laughs> I believe is the translation. Yes. Um, technically, it's not a horror film. Like, if you had watched it today, you would be like, what the fuck is this? Um, it's basically, <laughs> It's basically a comedy fantasy with um the devil a guy encounters the devil and that's automatically what makes it a horror movie apparently back oh then. is that what that they they said it was a comedy it, yeah it, it said that it was like a slapstick like comedy fantasy oh it, i didn't know if it was i thought it was meant to be scary no it wasn't meant to be well it wasn't meant to be like a standalone horror movie but it kind of turned out that way people were like really freaked out by it I see. Because I do believe that it was a comedy because I laughed, 
but I didn't know if it was like one of those like ironic laughs where like, oh, actually, we were trying to be serious. You're not supposed to be laughing. At no, I think now. it was legit supposed to be a comedy, but people were actually frightened by it. And that's why it's considered the first horror movie. Oh, I did not know that. So, yeah, it was intended to make audiences laugh, but um, they actually like left in terror, left the theater in terror. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> so um, the reason that it is actually also considered a vampire movie, which John kind of touched on at the beginning, was at the end, um, he turns into a bat. And back then, that constitutes like instant vampire, guy's a bat. Yeah, he, he danced with the devil in the pale moonlight and became a, a yeah, vampire. became bat. A, a bat, yeah. He literally dances with the devil, too. That's not even like a yeah. reference to Batman 1989. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, a little fun fact. So, like you mentioned, the movie is three minutes long. But actually, back then, how they measured the runtime for a movie was in distance so they, they would say it's 60 meters long <laughs> which is three minutes so it's right, like 60 meters how long is this movie i only have like 80 meters worth of time left and they're like good <laughs> it's it's 60 meters so you're you're good i mean that makes sense you know i wish they did that now honestly with Let's like hard drive with space <laughs> they did like hard drive space this movie is 267 gigs and you're like oh my god i only have time for like 249 <laughs> that would be fantastic <laughs> um so vampire films were a staple in the early silent film era and they were so popular like they had so many vampire films is the reason that vampire films were so popular was because of bram stoker's dracula story yes it was because Bram Stoker's Dracula came out in like 1896. Yes. Well, late. I don't know if that's the exact date, but it's definitely from the late 1800s. I, I feel like, can we just side tangent real quick? I feel like almost all scary shit that we know just comes from the late 1800s. That's probably why every time I think of them, I'm like, that damn, that's just like a, a picture of someone walking down the street in like 18. I know, and you're a little scary as fuck. You're a little freaked out by it. Oh my god! So I was looking at a house, and it was like it was from 1799. I was like, oh my god, that's a that's a fucking scary house. But it was just a white regular house. Like it was just it was nothing. And I was like, oh my god, I wonder it's haunted. It wasn't until Bram Stoker's Dracula that uh, people started like crazy mimicking that story for the most part. And up until that point, there hadn't been, like, a legitimate, like, feature-length film with um, a vampire as the lead. So right. the very first uh, vampire movie was Nosferatu, uh, the German movie, in 1922, yeah. which is hilarious because Nosferatu is, like, a knockoff of Bram Stoker's Dracula. And yeah, I think it's, like, basically a plagiarized version of it. It is, yes. So... um the estate sued the the filmmakers because it was so identical. Real, Bram Stoker's estate? Yes. Oh, wow. And um, they won. And the court ordered to have all of the copies of Nosferatu uh, destroyed. I thought there's copies still in existence, though. There are. So in 1994, they had four copies. There's four copies in existence for the entire movie. Wow. And in 1994, they remastered the movie and like put it back together 
from parts of these four horrible uh horrible quality um holy shit prints. that's yeah, amazing yeah it's crazy that because i always remember that movie from like just in, in talking or people talking about it it's like that was always a very popular movie they did come up with a movie about like the making of that movie, a fictionalized version of the making of that movie. Willem Dafoe was in it. Really? I think Willem Dafoe was the Nosferatu character. I think it was kind of like a meta movie where they were like interviewing, except that Max Streck actor was actually like a legitimate vampire. And he just fucking looked like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the movie I'm thinking about is Shadow of the Vampire. It came out in 2000. It had John Malkovich and Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe was Max Streck. And everyone thought he was just uh, basically being like method as fuck. And well, he was. He was basically just being what he was, which was a vampire. Which is interesting the way that they kind of fictionalized it. It's not very good, but... Uh, it's actually kind of interesting because I always thought, uh, like growing up, that vampires had been a part of culture for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. That's right. actually not the case. Like vampires didn't even really come about until the mid 1800s. So it was a fairly huh. new concept when they started actually making vampire movies. Um there were there were a few mentions of the word vampire and it was spelled a little different. It was Y R Y R. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Y R E. I didn't know that. Yeah. And um there are some mentions but it doesn't say like specifically what we know today like bloodsucker big teeth turns into a bat it's it's kind of like a a word to describe certain types of people okay rather than like a specific a monster yeah a specific thing okay it's kind of funny because like after doing all this research like I, I was looking through a lot of stuff a lot of movies depict either dracula or it's it's either dracula or it's like a side character there's never like a lead movie with um another vampire rather than dracula and it's kind of funny doing research it it says that uh dracula has been depicted 170 times in movies wow. it's the most of any fictional character ever holy shit and that kind of blew my, yes wow yes that so, definitely blows my dick even though they haven't made a dracula movie since oh i guess dracula untold it's still like the most used character in in movie history yeah that's not, but that as far as like he's he's the only main vampire character. That's not necessarily true. What about um, the Anne Rice novels, like Vampire Lestat or like Interview with the Vampire, or shit like that? Yeah, that that is because that doesn't mention Dracula. No, I'm talking thing. specifically about the the like the golden years of vampire stuff, which is like the late oh, oh, late 1800s okay. to like the early like the teens like 1913 and then uh, you have like a little bit thrown in there with nosferatu in 1922 but you're saying like a, those only feature like count dracula yeah it's either like dracula or it's like some they they don't ever try to make like their own character and like build off of that it's always like it's a vampire or it's dracula and it's always like built up as dracula i see even the okay. it, even in the marketing material it was kind of marketed as like a dracula or a dracula knockoff without like saying it it was like you know you know the stories of bram stoker's dracula well this is like our vampire story it's like oh this is count like <laughs> yeah olaf the dracula man or something <laughs> yeah exactly so later on in the 70s 80s 
Um, vampire movies are m- mainly used as like comedy specific movies in the 70s and 80s yeah mostly the 80s because it was like again i go in and tapping into another subgenre. it's like the comedy horror genre so it was like funny movies they didn't have a ton of serious movies there was fright fright night yeah no that i'm not saying 80s yeah i'm not saying there wasn't uh like legit horror vampire movies but there was definitely more mainstream comedy vampire movies okay by the way, you also completely skipped over 1930s Dracula. Bela Lugosi, man. Yeah. I mean, that's like the quintessential Dracula story. Didn't they basically like word for word just redo Bram Stoker's Dracula? That's what the 1930s Dracula is? Yeah. And then there's the Francis Ford Coppola one with Keanu Reeves. Fuck, it went out a writer. But yeah. Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman was so good in that movie. It's a bad movie. It's a, He's it's good a at bad it. movie. Gary Oldman's good at it. Yeah, I would say the the comedy vampire movies don't really start until the 90s, and then they hit it real fucking hard in the 90s. The early 90s. Like what specifically? Um, Specifically like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that movie before the show actually came out. That was a comedy? It was like a dark comedy, like a dark vampire comedy. Okay. Uh, there's a couple more. Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy. Blackula. Eddie Murphy. I thought that was Blackula. Oh, no, you're right. Vampire in Brooklyn, yeah. So now, like, moving on to modern day, again, Twilight has pretty much ruined the vampire genre. They they killed two really good horror genres. Um, I don't don't know, man. I I think, and just to get back on the Anne Rice stuff, like, Interview with a Vampire is a good movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It is a good movie. I saw it in theaters when I was, like, fucking seven years old or something. I mean, I guess it's not really horror, right? It's more no, very... it's like a drama... Sexy, sexy drama. Yeah, romantic. I don't know, romantic. It's a drama. I would say it's a drama. Yeah. Definitely not a horror movie. No. Although I did recently watch Deadpool 2, and that's the, the Indian guy, the taxi driver, talking about how he wants to be Kristen Dunst, uh, like drinking the blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that, that got me. That definitely got me. <laughs> Which I saw uh, Dracula Untold. I thought What's it was Dracula the decent. Dracula Untold? Uh, it's, it's a movie that came out like 2014 or 15. With uh, It's with the guy from The Hobbit. Like the man. Oh. Like the man. oh, yeah. This doesn't look good. It Does wasn't, it wasn't good? terrible. It was actually a decent story. And yeah. Luke Evans. Yeah, that's him. What about the strain, though? The strain is a horror thing, and those are vampires. Even though they look like zombies, they are vampires. Strigoi. Well, that's that's like saying they're vampires in I Am Legend. Because they... I mean, they are. It could go either they, way. I suppose, but they're... They say they are vampires. It's not like in the strain they're saying they're... And I also like the idea of the way they portray vampires in The Strain because they're not sexy. They're like fucking disgusting, monstrous creatures that suck your blood like by a whole fucking dick coming out of their throat <laughs> and then, you know, attaching it. Like they're parasitic. Yeah. I do like that depiction of, of vampires because it's always like, even even dating back to like the the first iterations of vampire movies, it's like they're always like 
baby skin sexy and they got the cape on it's never like a zombie type movie with vampires in it it's never like right a dirty gritty movie right it's always like a sexy hollywood yeah because I, I mean the um if you think about it it's a rotting corpse and they made a deal with the devil right that's like the whole thing they make a deal with the devil they're vampires they shouldn't look nice they need to look like dark and corrupted and 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 gross yeah i think so they need to look like they're dead and they want to kill you right and they never make them look like that like uh even in blade like blade is yeah he's normal looking. yeah aside from the eyes normal guy yeah and everyone in there is like partying and hanging out at the club, like and fucking a lot yeah, of fucking, a lot of fucking in that movie. <laughs> same with Underworld, you know. Yeah, Underworld's the same. I think the probably the best vampire movie that I've seen recently is uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Have you seen that movie? That's the Taika Waititi movie. right? Yeah, and he's like the main character in it. I ha- I haven't worth worth watching. I think it's on my Plex. You should watch it. It's it's okay. it's a documentary style. Of three vampires living in New Zealand, New Zealand, and they're losers, and they're they're trying to fit into like the vampire community, and they're just like, it's it's like the coming of age tale for vampires, pretty much. That's funny. See, I always think of vampire like vampire movies as somewhat action, but also there there can be horror elements. Now that we're talking about this, I'm thinking, yeah, I think that horror elements almost gone in a sense yeah it's definitely dead it, there's a lot more uh romantic comedy or not romantic comedy but like romantic romanticized version Drama. of yeah of the whole subgenre in general because there's like uh true blood which isn't yeah. isn't really horror there's obviously twilight um there's a lot of shit that's even dracula untold wasn't like a true vampire movie it was like a romantic drama and the guy's also happens to be dracula <laughs> so where do you think the in what direction you think do you think we'll probably get back to i don't think we're gonna get a horror uh vampire movie in a long time like at least a mainstream one we might get a netflix one here or there but we're not gonna get a mainstream one yeah i i think the it's evolved too much to where now um like in the 1890s to like 1920s like vampires were something scary now it's like vampires are associated with romance or like drama like nobody's like oh my god a a vampire that's scary it's like oh my god i want to fuck it (laughs) true well kevin i'll say it now this is my absolute favorite subgenre just because it's campy fun and sometimes and it can actually be really good and that's slasher films People argue that Halloween is technically the first true slasher movie, and I'm going to say they are wrong. Even some people would argue that Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Psycho are the first, and I'm going to say they're half right. Now, Psycho and any and another film, Peeping Tom, laid the groundwork for what eventually evolves into the modern slasher fi- flick. Psycho has the main, main ingredients to create a slasher film, You've got your deranged killer with some sort of parental issues slash mommy issues. History. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it also features another main theme within horror films, which is sex. 
sex is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest theme, aside from killing, within a horror film. We yeah. see it with Norman Bates when he's watching women get undressed. And obviously the shower kill, very sexualized, something that was never seen in 1960. Yeah. Little fun fact, that movie's actually filmed in Phoenix, Arizona. The building oh, really? is still downtown standing. Yep. Oh, I did not know it's that. A white, I know that they're, they come from Phoenix. That's like the plot. Like, yeah, it's a white building with a large tower on top, like a eight or ten story building with a large like antenna tower on top. You've probably seen it. It's in downtown Phoenix. Do people go by and be like, oh, let me go visit the Psycho I hotel. think it's, I, it may be abandoned right now. I'm not sure. Don't sleep on <laughs> Halloween, guys. <laughs> we also get the beginning stages of the final girl um, that are represented by our main character, Lila, who does most of the investigating as to where her sister disappeared to. And in a sense, we also get somewhat of a mask for the killer and by an and air quotes mask. Because we have the dress and wig that Norman Bates dons as the identity of his mother who's doing all the killings rather than Norman himself, which kind of, if you think about it, every killer except maybe Candyman has a, uh, a secret, not secret identity, but they're, they're, they're shrouded or covered somehow. Now, as for the second film I mentioned, Peeping Tom, uh, another film to come out the same year in 1960, except this time in Britain. Gives the killer a sense of theatrics, even more so than Psycho's Norman Bates dressing as his mother. In Peeping Tom, the main character slash killer takes his victims, all women, and impales them with a blade that's attached to a camera. So he can get each shot of them dying. Which I thought this concept is fucking sick <laughs> as hell. And feels like something that would be around today. But clearly people back then were not feeling it. They actually hated it. And uh, the director of this movie's career was completely ruined because they thought it was vulgar and misogynistic, which is ironic considering it's 1960 and they're calling him a misogynist, which I didn't think that actually was a thing back then. You must have been really fucked up to be called a misogynist <laughs> back then. Seriously, 100%. I, I do, however, want to give a quick shout out to Vincent Price's House of Wax in 1953 that had a slasher-like villain with a great gimmick. Obviously, he kills people. He encases them in wax. Uh, it was remade with Paris Hilton, I'm sure, as ever, most people are aware. I've seen that in theaters. <laughs> you sound so sad saying that. Spoiler, she dies. That's the best part of the movie. Wasn't that in the beginning? No, it's towards the end. She gets covered in wax. In hot wax? Yeah. Now, the 80s made the slasher film thrive, but the 70s had huge influencers aside from Halloween. 1971's Italian film Bay of Blood, directed by Mario Bava, clearly, clearly influences the more commonly known Friday the 13th. Let me just go over the plot real quick. Film takes place in a lake setting with a mysterious killer who uses an unordinary weapon, in this case it's a billhook instead of a machete, to murder a bunch of teens. Oh, he also uses a spear, which we all know. Oh, yeah. We, 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 I think we all found out that Jason in Friday the 13th uses quite often is a spear. Yeah. And the killer in Bay of Blood is also the son of a murdered countess who owns the property and is exacting revenge. Obviously, Pamela Voorhees is not a countess, 
but she does is the proprietor of Camp Crystal Lake and she dies. So Jason's exacting revenge, which is exactly what uh, the, the killer in this Italian movie is doing, which is again, another perfect 1971. I think Friday the 13th came out in 1980. So they basically just ripped off this movie nine years later. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how much original stuff that you think is original is just like bullshit remakes. Yeah. Specifically from like the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Seriously. And I really got to... I want to sidetrack a little to Mario Bava and his genius. If John Carpenter and Wes Craven can be considered fathers of slasher films... Mario Bava is their unnoticed grandfather. He, he really seemed to have influenced many American filmmakers with the way he did horror and portrayed violence in film. And he's also single-handedly responsible for creating the um, giallo uh, genre in Italian film, which is murder mystery turned slasher films. I mean, he, he started all the themes of Disguised killers, stupid and overly sexualized victims. Even his film in 1965, Planet of the Vampires, has been suggested that Ridley Scott used his inspiration for Alien and Prometheus, as many of the themes and design were quite similar. And specifically, not to side tangent, but it's how the crew finds the planet, the giant skeletons, like how they find an alien. And wow. the way the aliens manifest themselves within a human host. Oh man, that's a bummer. So yeah, this guy, I feel like we need to be celebrating Mario Bava more because he basically came up with more with all these original ideas that have been ripped off by American and British filmmakers. Unless he ripped it off from some fucking Italian guy on the street corner. It's just like, ah, oh, I got the, I got an idea for an alien, in a movie. <laughs> If you have a, if you don't have an idea for something, you're like, oh, just copy some foreign fuck that's like from the 50 years ago. Nobody knows about his stuff, obviously, right? And just throw it out in America. It's like that's that's the recipe for a movie nowadays. It's crazy. Yeah, I it it's sad because it's first of all not even Mario Bava throughout this entire episode. Italy seemed to have been on the right track as far as pioneering with horror movies and even clearly science fiction, science fiction horror. Yeah. So for them to not even really be given any credit is, is honestly sad because so many people that don't listen to Wicked Hot, a don't know that Mario Bava basically has influenced a good, a good chunk of content that we now know and love and is super commercialized and popular in America. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it kind of reminds me of again last week with the whole Batman Man Bat thing. It's like, yeah. yeah, you gave me the idea for it, but it's my idea. Well, no, you didn't really because it's it's this guy's idea, and right. you're just kind of recycling <laughs> it and releasing it in America. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, I digress, but the seventies also featured Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Black Christmas, which was a Canadian movie, in 1974. And at this point, we get more of the gimmicky monster slash killer who kills teenagers and the whole implementation of a final girl 
And for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's Sally. Uh, also, fun fact about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The fi- the film was shot and handheld in, in 16 millimeters. Wasn't even a 35. Really? Yeah. Damn. Well, I would have had gave, to be to be handheld. Right. Which gave it the whole like grainy look to it that kind of also inspired other movies like it. It's just very like grungy feeling, you know? Yeah. It's like a gorilla film. Right. Like run and gun type thing. So 1978 Halloween, my personal favorite slasher film, was able to combine all these pieces and release it to the American audiences. I mean, we still killed dumb teenagers for the most part, but it wasn't too over the top and it relied more on suspense than gore. John Carpenter was the master of suspense, the master. It's more of a thriller, right? Obviously, it was a huge success and spurred the creation of other franchises and a million of slasher formula films, thus cementing the trope into the subgenre. By 1984, the genre had become stale until Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street revitalized the genre by making the slasher a supernatural hmm, or fantasy being. And we kind of see that influence afterwards because when you think about it, after 1984, Jason Voorhees kind of becomes a supernatural being. Then we have you know, Chucky from Child's Play. And, and just to jump towards modern stuff, like for, for the most part, the slasher film is kind of dead. Most modern yeah. movies are now all remakes, reboots are really shitty. Again, Netflix, straight to Netflix or straight to DVD, straight to VHS. Yeah. Slasher films. What the great things that Netflix does, they're equally doing horrible things with. <laughs> I, I'm serious. It's like, it's hard for a slasher movie to get any traction nowadays because like people are just pumping them out throwing them on netflix and slasher movies and pretty much a lot of niche subgenre horror movies are not getting the due that they should be getting nowadays right right because i've seen some good netflix movies horror movies that did not get wide releases such as um the ritual comes to mind yeah, uh, I know it did come out in in England, but it never came out here, and it was great. Yeah. So my last one is a subgenre that I have never been a fan of, and it is uh, gore porn, aka a splatter film, which I didn't know okay. was. <laughs> I've always called it gore porn, um, <laughs> but apparently the term splatter film or splatter cinema came from George A. Romero when he was describing Dawn of the Dead. Nice. So you have Dawn of the Dead, which is basically a zombie movie, but they're also considering it a gore porn movie. Probably because of Tom Savini, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh, late 20th and early 21st century, uh, graphic violence was basically labeled as torture porn or gore porn. And that's kind of how we know it today. Uh, but there is some contrast, like when the, the genre kind of first started and, and George A. Romero, like you mentioned, was the godfather for zombie movies, is also the godfather for splatter films. And Interesting. Yeah, so it, it dates back to the stuff that he was doing and with like Evil Dead, um, a movie called Brain Dead, uh, Dawn of the Dead. Those are all considered splatter movies, but they're also slapstick in a sense where they're over the top and like 
complete yeah. nonsense. Definitely, uh, definitely especially Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, what really defines them is that they're not like any other uh, horror film, which most horror films have like a linear path of like a story. Right. Um, it's basically dealing with like unknown fears, like supernatural, dark, stupid shit. Yeah. Splatter films are their only intent is to make you feel uneasy or like make you feel pain for what's happening on, on the screen, the emphasis on visual and you, and you get this with like evil dead, like movies that were made back then is like, they put most of the budget into the special effects and the visual effects, mainly special effects of like how people are dying and like what they're doing. They don't put the money into like casting and like set design and stuff. It's like, Oh, they throw it all into how graphic can we make this movie right and still like make some money so that was kind of the the beginning steps of splatter film or gore porn which was like early 70s 80s uh and a lot of these kind of intertwine with like um slasher films like jason friday the 13th uh freddy with nightmare on elm street those are also yeah. considered splatter movies or gore porn and it all kind of stemmed from, again, the Europeans, the French. Uh, oh, God. They, in 1916, they had uh, this... I'm not even going to try to pronounce the, the French name. It it's, translates to Theater of the Great Puppet, which was a... That sounds scary as fuck. It does, yes. <laughs> yes. 1916, uh, it was a stage performance that had blood, carnage... Um, actually this was in 1908, 1908. Uh, and it made an appearance in England and they couldn't handle the gore. So they like dumbed it down to be like a Gothic, um, kind of horror production and took okay. away a lot of the gore. So it's kind of funny because the, the, the British could not handle the gore that was going on in, in 1908. That's funny. So the first, uh, actual feature length movie was in 1916 and it was uh, D.W. Griffin's Intolerance which isn't D.W. Griffith the racist guy I, that definitely sounds like a racist name two initials <laughs> it is it is the racist guy <laughs> it is, okay it is the the birth of a nation guy it is oh my god yes I jokingly asked you that earlier and yours is actually <laughs> true so what was the movie? The bloody movie? The movie was called Intolerance, and it featured a lot of the same nuances that they had in the theater of the Great Puppet, the French play. Okay. And uh, one of them was two on-screen decapitations. This is 1916. People are not used to seeing what? this type of shit. Holy shit. So it was two on-screen decapitations and a- Wait, real or- No. Oh, okay. All right. No. I'm like, Again, it's a movie. Okay. It's a movie, but people are not used to seeing this type of stuff. Like they were blown away by a guy turning into a bat. Can you imagine what they were seeing like ten years later? I know that was like a quick cut in the edit room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it also featured a scene of a spear driven into a soldier's body, like his torso. Okay. And people were so freaked out they thought it was real at the time. But that's not really a horror movie, right? Uh well it's like the very first it's considered the first gore porn movie. Okay. Okay. And even like thinking about it now it's like that's not that bad. But back then if you're watching that movie you're like, "Oh my god, I just saw a train yesterday. Now I'm seeing a guy's head getting decapitated." <laughs> yeah. 
things really escalated there quickly. <laughs> yes. It wasn't until like the mid 2000s that it got its like huge rise. Because it was yeah. always like a subgenre to another genre movie. Like you talked about slasher movies. Those are also considered splatter movies, but they never had like their own forum or their own movie. And it wasn't until Eli Roth's Hostel that there was a dedicated torture. Wait, but did that, pre- did that precede uh, Saw? Hostel? Well, it, it's kind of funny because um, Hostel is considered the, the first torture porn movie, which is, is kind of what gore porn or splatter porn has evolved into in its own genre. Yeah. And Hostel is considered the first movie, but it's funny because they retroactively named saw the first movie because they're they they couldn't figure out what genre to put saw in and i guess it's also slasher in a sense right it could be it, i would say if anything it's like a psychological horror movie okay. um you could definitely say it's a splatter movie or a, or a slasher a slasher uh, but it's kind of funny that Hostel gets the name of being like the first torture porn and then like retroactively they're like, oh yeah, Saul was the first one. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Hostel came afterwards and and I remember when the commercial came, they're like, oh, okay, they're, they're clearly copying Saw and following just the, the torture yeah. and the ridiculous amount of like just blood and chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because like, it it isn't until 2005 2004 2005 that you get the gore porn splatter movies that we all know cuz it seems like they've been around forever but honestly they've only been around for 10 12 years yeah and uh again with with Netflix throwing out especially these i've noticed a lot of these gore porn movies on Netflix and i did actually watch one uh last weekend and it was okay. fucking great and i'm not a huge fan of these movies but uh what was it it's called the terrifier okay so it, it's about a clown and when i say a clown it's not like it or bozo like it's a fucking terrifying clown look it up it's a terrifying clown actually that clown looks fucking awesome yeah it does the guy who plays the clown is does a really good job there, there is a shit ton of gore in this movie, and when I say a shit ton of gore, I will explain one scene to you, where a woman is being chained up, like um, arms out to the side, legs out to the side, but she's upside down. Okay. And he saws her in half from the oh my lord from the ass to her head, and it's like so graphic looking. I'm like, oh my god, how did they do this? Because I'm always thinking, like, how do they do something? Like, what techniques did they use? And it looks so fucking good. It looks disgusting, too. Wow. I don't know if I would want to watch it, though. It doesn't show her actually getting sawed, but it shows her after the sawing is commenced. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so with our last segment here, we're going to go over uh, one of a movie that kind of fits into the genre, or doesn't fit into the genre um, for one we picked. So for me, I picked zombie film. And for this, you're going to be very surprised. I picked Dawn of the Dead, and I'm not talking about the George A. Romero Dawn of the Dead. I'm instead picking a fucking Zack Snyder movie. Oh, my God. And I'm saying that this fits the zombie genre. And honestly, I'm a fan of this movie. 
And you want to know why I'm a fan of this movie? And it makes fucking sense why I like a Zack Snyder movie. Because James Gunn wrote the fucking script to this movie. Of course. James Gunn and George A. Romero. But I mean, everything, all the components of a zombie movie are here. We obviously have the new age running zombie. The beginning scene where... I, I love the beginning scene of how she's kind of a nurse. She goes home. She, you know, her and her husband do the dizzle. And then she wakes up and there's just that fucking zombie girl in like the living room or what, or like in the doorway. Yeah. And then that other zombie like bites the fuck out of that guy. And then he turns into a zombie. That beginning scene is so tense. And then we get the whole montage of the world ending ending and her just, just the whole post apocalypse thing is just so nice and so awesome. And then all, the survivors and all their different personalities coming together, surviving in the mall. I'm a big fan of the movie. Um, and, and just, it just fits the genre. So nice. It, it hits all those zombie points. And also like the characters are good. They're memorable. They have their own like personalities. And cause I mean, you got the nurse, you got Ving Rhames as the cop. You got like the nice white guy. You have like the fucking Midwestern as fuck family. Yeah. You have to have the black guy in there. Definitely got to like have the, the black guy. The demented security guards that are clearly want to be like cops and bad people. And then the one guy who's kind of not into the whole being assholes kind of thing. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the person that saves the loved one from being discovered that they've actually been bit. So it has all those beautiful components on it. And honestly, like I think it's a good nod to to the original Dawn of the Dead and and kind of it does its own thing with the new age zombies. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I don't like that movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Not a fan. Not a huge fan. That's unfortunate. I I I like it. I think if I'm comparing it to like World War Z and stuff, I mean World War Z is like good and other zombie movies are are good, but I don't know. I think this one's just stupid and fun, but at the same time, like it, it just it has those components that I like out of a zombie movie. Diary of the Dead, though, I'm telling you, watch that. Okay, you'll like it. Okay, so my pick is one that probably a lot of people have never seen before, and okay. it's from my favorite genre, my favorite subgenre, the paranormal or demonic, supernatural. I'll just go with supernatural. Okay, right. and it's a movie called Oculus. Rift? No. No. It's funny because like when I went to uh search for Oculus, it all this Oculus Rift stuff came up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh so if you didn't know, it's actually uh it's actually a WWE produced movie. Which I didn't know until the Get very end. Out. I did not know until the end. Um Oh, Karen Jillian's in it? Hell yes. yeah. Yes. So it's about it's it's very hard to explain, but it's about a basically an antique mirror that um makes you you, you can't destroy it. It makes you see th- things that uh you or do things that you wouldn't normally do when you're in like the vicinity of this thing and you never know what's reality or what's not. Okay. Um, so like at one point uh she goes to the kitchen to get an apple or something. And she bites into it and it turns out that it's a light bulb. Like she didn't know. And she can't tell if this is real or fake. Oh, if what? the mirror is causing this. So the mirror has like some demonic connotations to it. Like it was 
somebody had possessed it or something or it was like cursed okay and it's it's basically haunting this family and this brother and sister are trying to watch this mirror like around the clock and they have like a video camera on it and all these contraptions to stop the mirror like uh like fail safes (laughs) there's like fail safes so if if something happens and they don't reset a timer like a sledgehammer falls and it breaks the mirror so there's like stuff they have in place to stop the mirror. okay so in other words so that way they're reminded that it's the real world and not the mirror yeah yeah like the dr strange mirror yeah so they've they've (laughs) done they've done or taken steps to ensure that they know kind of like uh the inception top that leo has okay cool. they they take steps to know what is real and what's fake and the the end of the movie i'm not going to spoil it but it ends so good oh and definitely not how you would expect okay cool i'm into it i'll have to check it out all right, cool. Well, to close things up, which subgenre, two subgenres, would you like to mix? Two horror subgenres that you think these need to be made together. Yep. Yep. And we're going to put some pre-selected ones on the Twitter because there's been a few that have already been combined. So we're going to take some random ones, throw them together, and uh, see what everyone likes. I- I'm going to be honest. I want to see a... A slasher vampire movie, like a vampire movie where the vampire is fucking ruthless. Yes, because like yeah. you know we have like Jeepers Creepers and stuff, and that I guess could be considered a vampire slasher movie. But and Fright Night, Fright Night's kind of a slasher. Yeah, vampire. I well, want, it's like, like eh, that's like it's it's like Disturbia. Yeah, you, you know. Yeah, I'd like to see like a Count Dracula just fucking murking people. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be fucking awesome. It's that's funny. I was actually gonna say a vampire gore porn where like if oh, he yeah. kills somebody, it's just like Mel Brooks, Dracula Deading loving it, a fountain of blood just pouring out, just like, oh my god, he just ate. What <laughs> like that's that's what I want. That's the that's the mix I need. <laughs> so clearly we both want like vampires to go back into the fold of scary and not you yeah. know drama the romance yeah. yeah yeah all right cool guys yeah well we'll have the post on our twitter at wicked hot talk that you can go ahead and vote let us know your thoughts on your favorite subgenres. um and as always thank you so much for sticking around you can always find us everywhere podcasts are found we'll see you in another two weeks this is wicked hot scary month special edition so we'll be pumping out horror content for the month of october Um, as well as maybe a couple other little surprises. Thanks again for sticking around. We'll see you guys in the next episode of Wicked Hot. Bye, everybody.